Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, we got some news of the stupid stuff uh, for this half hour, so just stay tuned. I had some, oh, 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 I've got a third story. I forgot all about that one. Jeez. All right. Some extra dumb stuff, okay? First, want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right. I feel like this is just the theme of the week. Um, no shame, liars, degenerates. It's just kind of what's happening this week, okay? Just how things are unfolding in the news. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't write it that way, but that's how it happened. Police are being called gangsters after an incident in the Oklahoma County, in the Oklahoma County Jail. Now, what ended up happening is one of the inmates got a hold of a knife. The inmate held the knife to a corrections officer's throat. The inmate was then shot to death by other corrections officers. All right, I don't see the problem. They're being called gangsters. Black Lives Matter protests. See, this is how you know your entire movement is, is a clown show. Black Lives Matter, which is supposed to be an organization about you know, helping black people are being abused by the system and by society and everything else. But that's not at all why they were founded. That is not at all what their mission statement is. That's not what their goals are. That's not what their methodology is about. The National Black Lives Matter organization, again, individual chapters of Black Lives Matter around the country um, do those sorts of things. And they're not insane and they're not crazy and they're full of good people, well-meaning people. A lot of well-meaning people, you know, will march in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, but they don't know anything about the national organization. And the national organization is straight up a Marxist organization. They hate America. They hate white people. They hate the black family. They hate fathers. They hate men in general, unless men could be used to exploit out in rioting. They're just an awful, horrible group of people. And they're crooks. They steal from their own chapters, which is one of the reasons why so many local Black Lives Matter chapters are now raising complaints about the national Black Lives Matter, again, because they did this a few years ago, too, that they're they're taking all the money and they're just keeping the money or they're, you know, going they're passing it through the Democratic Party. They're not giving it back to the local chapters to do things in their community. And so slowly but surely, some of these local cha chapters are waking up to what is actually going on. But now you're faced with a decision. Do you split from Black Lives Matter, which is, again, just gained huge notoriety? to start your own thing and actually do some good or do you stay a part of that movement? That's the decision that has to be made. And unfortunately, most people are not going to have um, the ability or the will to go out on their own. They wanna stay attached to this organization because otherwise they'll become irrelevant. And ultimately that's what these social justice groups are about, making money and getting noticed. Not about helping, helping anybody. So Black Lives Matter protests, okay? They protested over an inmate who got killed by corrections officers after the inmate held a knife to the throat of another corrections officer. They protested that. In response to Black Lives Matter protests, officials last week released body camera footage showing officers entering the jail after inmates had taken control of one pod inside the Oklahoma City facility. The video contained graphic content of the moment that inmate Curtis Montrell Williams, 34, confronted police in the video, he stood at the top of the staircase, held an object to the neck of the corrections officer, 
Danielle Misquez. After a brief confrontation during which someone said he's got a knife, two gunshots were heard. Williams fell to the landing where he was standing and Misquez tumbled down the flight of stairs. The makeshift knife was later recovered. So it's, it's, it's a shiv, a shank, if you will. Michael Washington, leader of the Oklahoma Coalition Against People Abuse, blamed Oklahoma City Police Chief Wade Gurley for the incident. Quote, we're fed up with an incompetent excuse for a police chief who refuses to do the right thing and guide procedures and mannerisms of his officers, he said. That's what he said on KOKH-TV. All right, Cupcake, what should police have done differently? This should always be the question that you ask. Whether you're talking about guns, you're talking about voting laws, whatever it is, this should always be the question that you should ask. And inevitably, you will not get an answer. We've got an inmate. The inmates, first of all, took over the entire, the entire cell block. Okay? So inmates take over this entire cell block. Corrections officers are now at the will of the inmates. One inmate has made a knife and is holding it to a corrections officer's throat. What are the officers supposed to do? Do they let him kill the guard? Or do they back off just hoping he doesn't kill the guard? Or do they take action like they did and they end the situation and regain control of the block? You know what else happens when, when cell blocks get taken over by inmates? Other inmates are murdered. They're targeted. Oftentimes, that's why cell block revolts even happen. It's under the guise to be able to kill somebody and just, as ah, the riots. And then, you know, plausible deniability of who's actually responsible, that sort of thing. This happens with some regularity. It's not commonplace. So if you don't take control of the block, you're also risking the other inmates' lives. Rival gangs, inmates said something to the wrong person. You know what it is. Paid hits, everything else. In a direct rebuke to Gurley, he added, You have turned your head and allowed your officers to be violent, disruptive, and even murderous. You are nothing but a group of gangsters. The inmate was being violent, though. The inmate was threatening the life of a corrections officer. He had a knife to his throat. This is how you know the whole movement's a joke. If people want to take organizations like Black Lives Matter seriously, those organizations have to stop acting like idiots. They have to actually care about the people they propose to be caring about. But they don't. When you have a, a movement that runs around and defends the worst people who do heinous, horrible things, you don't have any legitimacy. None. Now, if this had been an inmate who's just sitting in the corner minding his own business, trying not to be involved, and they come in and they kill him, you got a story. I'm with you on that. That's not what happened. Let's see. Uh, Gurley on Friday said the incident began around 4 p.m. on March 27th when citizens alerted authorities that a Facebook Live video from the 10th floor of the jail seemed to indicate inmates had gained control of the facility. This is another thing that we're seeing, too, is like uh, inmates being able to have cell phones and do like Facebook Live and stuff. That's another thing that we're seeing happen. Now, I don't know if they're officially allowed to have it but, or they're just sneaking it in. I don't know. You'd think that somebody would be monitoring that. But, I mean, during the time, Misquez, the corrections officer, whose hands were handcuffed behind him, was already stabbed several times in the leg. 
He was hit in the head, and he was sprayed with his own pepper spray. So the corrections officer had already been stabbed, pepper sprayed, and beaten, and he was handcuffed with his arms behind his back. He ended up taking a tumble down the stairs, too, as a result of this. And the guy that was holding a knife to his throat is the innocent guy? He's the victim? Whole movement's a joke. The entire thing is a joke. Not done yet. The federal government looks like they're going to force companies to report pay based on race and gender, which is going to be real interesting. We'll talk about that next on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. And if you want further context on that prison shooting that we were just talking about, I have the video in today's daily show prep. Just be warned, graphic content. Uh, but I do have the video in the, the show prep today, which shows the tactical team going in. It shows the inmate, what he was posting on Facebook Live, the, the shank that he made, um, how he was, was uh, holding it against the officer's neck. The officer was on his knees. Basically, the tactical team came, came right in, and they just, yeah, just a double tap, took him out. Officer fell down the stairs hard. Um, glad he's okay, considering everything he went through. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's graphic content, but it gives you context of what actually happened. And I'm sorry, but anybody who's upset at the actions of prison officials that day is a scumbag. I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. All right, so let's talk about this other story here. Uh, for those of you on the live stream, let me just throw this up for you so you can see it because it's been a couple of segments since I've had anything up there. So federal government is likely to force companies to report pay by race and gender. All right, so I've got a couple of issues with this. One, I don't think that a company should be forced to do this. Uh, two, I think it's going to shatter some narratives. <laughs> There's a part of me that's like, this might backfire on you guys. You really want to do this, but... At the same time, obviously, you know, I, this should be a company's uh, business and, and that sort of thing. Now, I don't have a problem with the employees going around and telling each other what they made. I know that generally speaking, you're not supposed to talk about that sort of thing and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, at, at the same time, I also I, I kind of buy into the premise. It really depends on the job, right? So if you're all doing the same thing, yeah, Talk about it because there might be somebody who's not making nearly as much as the others are, and there may not be a reason for that. Uh, if you're in a field, lack of better word, like I'm in, it's a little bit different because obviously talent is doing different things. They're in different day parts. They have different sponsorships and contracts and that sort of thing. And so it's a little bit different. And if we talk about it openly in the building, it can cause some real problems that may not be justifiable problems. Uh, so, you know, just interesting stuff uh, when you come to, comes to that pay. So federal authorities are expected to instate a never-implemented Obama-era rule mandating that companies provide the government with employee pay data broken down by race and gender. What? Is there another category for the gender thing, though? I have questions about that. If somebody's a trans person, do they qualify as a woman? Or as the, as the, the gender they identify as? Does it go into that category? Does it go into a different category? Heck, I don't know. Now, that's another thing. If you're a guy and you want to transition into being a woman, I don't know why you'd want to take a pay cut. This is automatic. So, like, if, if you're, you know, Richard on a Friday and you come in on a Monday and now you're Henrietta, um, your boss is mandated to now just give you 83 cents on the dollar, right? 
right? I mean, we're told that's how it works. So I, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. If you're a guy on a Friday and you're a gal on a Monday, your employer is probably automatically going to give you 83 cents on the dollar. So you get a pay cut just because now, now you're a woman. How many people did I trigger? Both of you? Great. So <laughs> it's just such a stupid thing. Think of, Okay, basic economics here. All right. First of all, the wage gap is a myth. We've already debunked it a million times. There isn't any non-debunking it. It, it. it just is a myth, okay? But let's say it wasn't. Women are as capable as men, right? That's for every job, every single one, including powerlifting. Women are as capable as men. And you can get them for cheaper? There isn't a boss in the world who wouldn't have an entire female workforce. Women can do the exact same job that all the guys can't, and I can pay them less? Yes. That would... you kidding me? Men would be out of work if that were, if that were really the case. But it's not the case, because it's all a giant piece of nonsense, since I'm not on, on, on cable or satellite right now. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, which works to enforce federal civil rights laws against workplace discrimination, except for one demographic of people, is likely to start requiring companies with more than 100 employees to include pay data, uh, pay equity data, in their employer information reports. The idea behind collecting the data was that the EEOC would use it to identify and target companies that had a pay gap, interpreting differences in pay as discrimination. What if we find out, just asking questions, what if we find out the white people at the company are getting paid less than everybody else? What if we find out the women are making more money than the men? Does the information automatically get sealed at that point? Does Judicial Watch have to go through and then do a FOIA request and then file a lawsuit to get the data to, to be released to the public? I'm telling you, and again, I completely oppose this. Just on the premise that a company, a private business, would have to justify salaries to the government, which is straight-up socialism. So I oppose this on that premise. But at the same time, I've got a feeling there's going to be a lot of butthurt liberals out there because those narratives are going to start to go away a little bit. People are going to start finding out, oh, wait a minute, hold on a second, for the exact same job? Oh, turns out the women are being paid more than the men, which in many industries, by the way, is the norm especially for women in their 20s right now. Women in their 20s and their early 30s get paid more than men across the board. Very interesting stuff. The EEOC says that the workforce data is shared with other federal agencies, and although the data is confidential, sure, aggregated data is available to the public. Right. Uh, the rule was announced in October of 2016 by Obama. I think I remember covering this. Uh, it was at the, uh, the Office of Management and Budget. But Trump administration scrapped the requirement for the next year before it went into effect, citing privacy concerns as well as doubts about how useful the information actually is and the burden that it could place on companies, which it clearly does. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of extra work that goes into this. I mean, human resources departments are going to have to work extra now, you know, to compile all of this stuff, meet all the requirements, the, the opportunity for fines and punishment from the federal government because you didn't do everything just, just right. It's, that's all there. So, you know, based on just sheer morality, this is wrong. 
But wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting if we end up finding out that a lot of these narratives that are pushed by the left in this country, which have been debunked by think tank after think tank after think tank and just basic rudimentary data, what if the government's own report once again shows that it's a myth? Now, for the record, the government's own data and own reports has debunked a lot of this type of stuff, and they haven't cared at all. They don't care one, one iota, one wink. What they do at that point is then they move away from the government and they go to third-party activist groups compiling data like they did with guns. Remember forever the left was like, we need federal gun data. We need to get all sorts of crime statistics and everything else about shootings and guns and what were used and what calibers and everything else. And so they did that. And what did it do? It completely destroyed the gun control narrative. So then they said, the government data is incomplete and unreliable. So we're going to go over here to every town for gun safety, a totally unbiased source. And we're going to go and look at their data, which they've just manufactured literally out of thin air. And that's what their data is going to be. They do the same thing on feminist issues too. Actual state and federal data on feminist issues doesn't comport with the narrative. So what they do is they go to activist groups and they use that data instead. And that data is not real data, manufactured, totally incomplete, oftentimes completely leaves out entire swaths of the data set in order to steer the narrative because that's their job. They're an activist group. I mean, if you're an activist group who's trying to raise money and get attention for being an activist group and then your own data says that you're wrong, can't release that to the public, can you? You're kind of toast at that point. So they manipulate it and they change it around. With the gun control issue, every time for gun safety, what they do is they start categorizing everything as a mass public shooting, even things that weren't shootings. And I'm not exaggerating. We've gone over that many times on the show. Shootings that never happened are categorized as mass public shootings by every town for gun safety. <laughs> they changed the actual definition of what a mass shooting is. They went from, because it's four for mass public shooting, they went down to two. See how this works? So on principle, on morality, this is totally wrong to have this type of a program, but I also think it's going to shatter some narratives. But they won't care anyway. They'll just move on to the activist data. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So, uh, Fact is investigating the Lincoln Way West crash with the motorcycle. And looks like a Nissan and a motorcycle, um, and it doesn't look good for the motorcycle. Serious injuries are involved, so fact is out there investigating at this point. Um, nobody has at this point passed away, and we certainly hope that that doesn't happen, but fact is involved, so keep, uh, keep an eye on that story. Well, I mean, look, it's warm weather, and motorcycles are everywhere now. You know, I was got out for the first time, was it uh, yesterday, the day before? And, I mean, I ran into a ton of people riding. Ton. Yeah, it wasn't yesterday. It was the day before. Ton of people. So, a lot of folks are out there on that on their bikes now. So, just, you know, be aware. Be careful. If you're on a bike, be careful. I know some people get a little rusty if they're not riding for a while and, and that sort of thing. It's just, you know, 
Use extra caution. All right. A woman was asked at a restaurant in Georgetown to adhere to their policy. So they have a 90-minute seating policy. So they simply asked this woman, hey, we got a 90-minute seating policy. That's it. So you're there for an hour and a half. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> Christy Riggs was with some guests at Martin's Tavern in Washington, D.C., when she was asked to comply with the restaurant's 90-minute seating policy designed to allow more people to eat at the establishment, given the district's COVID-19 policies that still require restaurants to operate at 25% capacity. Riggs did not take the request well. She accused two restaurant employees of racially profiling her after they asked her and her guests to vacate so more patrons could be seated. The customers waiting to be seated happened to be two white women. Oh, see? See how that goes? So the the not white women were asked to leave after they were there for over 90 minutes and the white women wanted to be seated and so naturally racism. <laughs> uh, Riggs actually included that the white women were the ones waiting uh, in her complaint to the Washington City paper. Riggs then claimed that the restaurant tried to get her and her guests to leave even before... Their nine-minute window was over and alleged the restaurant didn't treat a nearby table of white diners in the same fashion. She also compared herself to Rosa Parks. Okay. She says, I was Rosa Parks at Martin's Tavern in Georgetown. I was made to get up and leave the restaurant so that two white women could have my table. Oh, boy. So she is demanding that the two employees involved in the incident be fired. Um, she's demanding that the tavern be closed for two days to provide mandatory sensitivity and diversity training, create ongoing accounts or business relationships with at least three black-owned vendors, uh, provide regular management training for job placement at Howard University students, and make an annual contribution of at least $2,500 to the United Negro College Fund in Riggs's name, which, of course, is racist. So, <laughs> now, the owner of the tavern... Um, listened to the complaints, went back, looked at the tape, found out that she was violating the tavern's rules. So, hey, there you go. Racism. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. I teased this yesterday, and I wanted to make sure I got to it before the end of the show. So on America's Newsroom, which airs on Fox, this is on Friday, the Arizona National Guard Adjutant General Michael McGuire, um, he said that based on the people who are coming across the southern border who are not from Mexico, Central America, or South America, earlier today we talked about two Yemeni terrorists who are on the watch list uh, were captured at the southern border. And this is, like I said, all the old stories from the Obama era are going to be new again. So he said that he is convinced, based on the people that are coming across the southern border, that there is, and I quote, a worldwide marketing campaign to smuggle people across the border by the cartels. Yeah. Now, you and I have probably known that for an extended period of time. I've certainly known that because, again, I'm from the southwest and this is clearly an issue there. 
Uh, McGuire said the reports from the sectors here in Arizona is that we're seeing a lot of folks crossing illegally. They're being apprehended. They're making a claim for asylum as they are crossing. They're not from Mexico, Central, or South America, but they're actually from Africa, Asia, and even Europe. So we assume either flying in or coming in by boat and then trafficked by the cartels across the border, which creates a huge situation as most of them are claiming asylum. And again, they claim asylum because the asylum system has been exploited by the cartels in the United States for, uh, well, they've been exploited by the cartels in Mexico getting into the United States when they smuggle people in here for a number of years now. So our assessment is that there is a worldwide marketing campaign, and his assessment is 100% correct. It is absolutely what is on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, go to theburningtruth.us. Again, my website, sign up for my newsletter. It is totally free. That's how you get the Daily Show prep today. Uh, friendly reminder, there is graphic video in the Daily Show prep today, so don't click on that video unless you can do so safely or you're comfortable doing it. Uh, but again, totally free. Sign up for the newsletter, get the Daily Show prep podcast, all of that stuff. Here's Bill O'Reilly. Have a wonderful night.